You're listening to the Screeners Podcast Network. Welcome back, everybody, to the Geek Card Check. Every week, we pull on the threads of pop culture and see what things pass the Geek Card Check. My name is Tyler. And I'm Kate. And before we get started on our check-in for this week, I just wanted to remind everybody to go find us wherever it is that you are listening to your po- to your podcasts on, uh, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, you name it. For the most part, we are on it. Uh, would you just uh, take a second, pause this podcast, go subscribe to us, and give us a rating. It's just going to help us to get discovered. Um, it would be even better if you could write a review, let people know why you uh, why you like us. Uh, or, hey, if you dislike us, let other people know, but just give us that five-star rating. Um, and I don't know what help that would be, but that would be great. Uh, so this week we have a uh, another uh, – check-in, a geek card check-in. Uh, we're going to talk about a lot of different things, and I am going to let Kate uh, take it away. Alrighty. Well, to start with, I'm following up on our September 9th check-in where I talked about fall TV that's coming. Yes. And we have some pretty big ones right around the corner. Um, that's true. Made in the High Castle, the final season is November 15th. So... Oof. If you get started now, maybe you could fit in that rewatch, or in Tyler's case, Criminal Need to Catch Up. Oh, um, I know. So, not a lot of time, but you still have, you know... I think this is going to fit into the category of I'll, I will have to, like, do the full watch when it comes through. Like, I'm doing that with Breaking Bad. I, I started mm. rewatching Breaking Bad. Instead of just watching El Camino, I just started watching Breaking Bad to catch up. Because why not? Yeah, you, know, you got to. And then on November 17th, we have The Crown Season 3 with oh my Academy Award winning Olivia Coleman as I'm so the happy. queen. Yes. Oh, yes. That, that, I cannot wait. Like, I I just am so excited. Olivia Coleman is one of the greatest living actresses, and I, I, I can't even handle it. It's just the best. I'm so thankful she's living. The world couldn't handle it if she wasn't. Oh, don't jinx it. It's not out yet. Wow, that got dark. Speaking of <laughs> darkness, I think you have something dark to share with us, Tyler. I I think I do. I just uh, <laughs> is that dark fate? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're like very subtle <laughs> with your toss. <laughs> uh, and I'm leaving that in. All right, so dark. I uh, just uh, just to follow up on last week's podcast, dark fate uh, is is out. And uh, Terminator Dark Fate, I should say, is out. Um, and I don't want to talk about it too much here because I actually literally moments before we started recording this podcast, I recorded an episode of the Screeners podcast, our sister podcast, with my brother Daniel. I'm um, talking about Terminator Dark Fate. Um, and I will say a lot of the things that I hoped for um, were present. Uh, it is it's a it's a character driven film. Mm. Um, well, sorry, it is mostly a character driven film. Um, there, there are some things that are left out, uh, and not developed in the way that we, they, they should be. Um, but, uh, but other things that are done, I think really well, um, as far as an action film, it is forgettable as an action film, but it Linda is, Hamilton, Linda Hamilton, she's, she's very, um, she's, she's very fine in it. Um, I mean, we know she's fine, but, <laughs> uh, I, and she acts well. Um, okay. I, I think that she, I don't think that she is as as 
well used as she should be. Mm. Um, there are some really good moments with her. So I, d- I definitely don't want to don't want to just toss um, her role there aside. She's definitely um, got some excellent moments that call back to um, what we know and love of her arc from from Terminator One nice. um, to Terminator Two. Um, there's a thing I, I cannot spoil it, but there's a there's a major thing that happens that that I actually really think will irritate some fans of Terminator Two, um, uh, specifically. Uh, and uh, but I will say um, the the character work that's done between Mackenzie Davis's Grace um, and uh, oh, I just lost Grace, her name. Grace, that's a I very keep... suggestive character name. In a sh- in a movie, it's that very talks symbolic. About- yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so between uh, so Mackenzie Davis is the the you know future soldier that's that's sent back to protect Natalia Reyes is Danny Ramos. Danny Ramos is the character's name. Natalia Reyes is the actress. Um, their character relationship is very good. Mm. I think it's well developed. Um, it you you buy it, you believe it. There's a little twist, which I think they think is a twist, but you see it from the moment they start. Uh, <laughs> And the, but they reveal it as though it's this big reveal, and guys, I was so like, is guys, it like the did new, you watch the movie? Um, uh, Terminator and John relationship. It wants to be, but it isn't. That's mm. so. That's my only criticism. I I really applaud them. So so everybody really. That, yeah, I think I made this clear on on the screeners as well. And I know I was really grumpy last week when you were talking about Terminator. Just um, a bit. But but what I will say a little bit of what I was saying last week, I think, did come into it you know what i don't i don't know if i articulated it well enough but i think what what happened is they they desperately wanted us to compare it to terminator 2 they desperately wanted to say here don't you remember the last great terminator movie that's the one we're following up Mm -hmm. and unfortunately you're setting yourself up to compare it to one of the greatest movies ever made and and it just doesn't um it's it's action set piece after action set piece after action set piece all executed very well um so nothing there it's just very middle of the road in terms of um it doesn't break new ground um it sounds like it doesn't trust the viewer to pay attention without action every second Uh, that i would i would agree on and i think it also relies heavily um too heavily on nostalgia it it is basically Mm. hoping that you that you extend it the credit of nostalgia and then they don't, they don't add, they don't build anything new um, mm. with that. Uh, so with the, with a few exceptions, again, um, Mackenzie Davis is phenomenal in it. She is so good. Um, she, we, ha- I don't think we've had a, such a good newcomer to the Terminator franchise since Summer Glau in, uh, in ter- uh, the Sarah Connor Chronicles. I think she oh, is wow. truly the standout in this, which is funny because it's that it's just Linda Hamilton is is you know the the star of the trailers, right? Right. Um, but if they want to extend, you know, if they want to build a franchise off of this mm-hmm. latest new movie, then that mm-hmm. bodes well. Yeah, uh, and then some some again, and this is the last thing I think I will say about this movie. Um, Arnold is just awesome. Like it is, and I don't even mean the action. There are just I I can't say much because of spoilers, but. His role is, um, is just hilarious. Hmm. Um, it's, it's hilarious. It is, um, it's subtle. Um, but it's, and it's, it's actually not as actiony as you might think that it would be. So, I mean, there is, he, come on, it's the Terminator. He still has action, but they rely much actually more on right now. And that's (laughs) what you're, that's what's happening. Okay. That's fine. Got it. So anyway, dark fate. 
good movie. Uh, but pop over to uh, to the Screeners podcast and uh, and listen to my brother and I. Uh, and Daniel uh, is Daniel does not have the nostalgia built in, and so mm-hmm. I think actually that's also why I'm a bit more forgiving of it. Mm-hmm. But Daniel, um, yeah, he's not a sci-fi a guy, so that there's yeah. that. That's true. What about you? What's next for you? Well, um, Jack Ryan season two has released. That is true. And I haven't seen it yet, but have you? I have. I binged it in one day. Uh, so my, Whoa. Yeah. So my it's only eight, eight episodes, so it, it isn't as huge of a time commitment as previous season. I think the last season was 13, was 10 or 13. I don't remember. Um, but, uh, and you did see season one, correct? Correct. Okay. Uh, so we, you know, uh, Thursday was Halloween night. Uh, Friday, my school, so I, I'm a teacher at a small private Christian school. My school celebrates Reformation Day. Um, that's that we, we love our Catholic friends, but, you know, we celebrate Reformation Day on Friday. Uh, and that is the big, the biggest, busiest day of the year. Like I, I crashed and I fell asleep at 8, a, or 8 p.m. Um, that night because we're just, you know, we're entertaining the kids. We have like jousting and stuff. It's great. Um, but all that Verbal led to jousting because, or actual jousting. Um, sort of almost actual jousting. Sort um, of almost actual. Got it. Yeah, there were inflatable things, and it's anyway. That's um, uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, so we all that to say, I woke up at four forty-five in the morning <laughs> on Saturday oh. because well, just because I had gone to sleep so early, and and mm-hmm. I and that's pretty much nearly when I rise anyway. So uh, so I got up and I was like, I'm you know what, Jack Ryan's out. <laughs> I'm I'm watching Jack Ryan all day today, and <laughs> this is almost exactly the same thing that happened with Stranger Things. Mm-hmm. Um, I had food poisoning the night before and woke up at like three in the morning and just binged Stranger Things that day. So wow. I don't know, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, all that to say, Jack Ryan. Um, I was. I was pretty critical of season one of Jack Ryan uh-huh. um, for I and I I actually really I, I double down a little bit on some of my criticisms. I don't believe this needs to be named Jack Ryan. This should just be, you know, Mr. Smith, the spy. Um, this has nothing at all to do with Jack Ryan, the character. It never has. It doesn't. It's not related to it in any way other than the characters named the same thing. Um, and in fact, I would say they stray further from the character in this. Um, so all that to say. Um, there were some plot points from the books that I, that, like that were nods, like I, they, they had some nice nods to the mm-hmm. books that I enjoyed, but so I, what I tried to do, I tried to, I tried to listen to, you know, I heard Chris and your voice <laughs> in my head of Tyler. It's okay. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, is it, a, is it a movie by itself or is it a good show by itself? And it's a good spy show by itself. It is. Okay. Um, so it's it, high it's quality a good spy fan show. fiction. Uh, no, and I wouldn't even say that. Like, it is not fan fiction. Like, it, okay. it's he is only a soldier in this movie, in this show. He is only a soldier. Um, he is not the analyst from the books. He is mm. in no way related. In fact, they don't even. Kathy Ryan is not even in it, not once. Um, so, it's yeah. They they double down on the we're doing our own thing thing. Okay, and well, don't tell say, me more because I haven't watched yeah. it yet. Well, and yeah. then I can complain but, later when they get rid of sure. interesting female characters. But yeah. Oh yeah, there's only one. Just uh, uh, there's two. There's two. Um, and now again, so divorcing it from the source material, they do a really, I think it's a great spy show. It is a very well done spy show. It is. Uh, it's it's John Krasinski. He's like stinking fantastic i know but you just kind of like bumped it down my priority list because come on i'm gonna be watching the crown first anyways but oh 100 yeah okay all that to say 
Yeah. Did you have it's some good. other TV that you were going to mention too before we move on to books? Totally. Yeah. Um, so I, I will try not to go as in depth as I did with Dark Fate, even though <laughs> I said I wasn't going to do that one. Uh, so, so I, October is my my big horror watching month, right? And so now I'm like catching up on all the things that I planned to watch the that yeah. last month. Uh, and so I I watched a good chunk of the new series daybreak uh mm. on netflix which is terribly named because it has nothing to do with daybreak at all um it should have been called like postmodern apocalypse now or something like that but That's a bit um, long. it's yeah um or they should have done some pun on like dawn of the dead or something but anyway it's it's a uh it is hilarious it is a it is a post-apocalyptic zombie high school comedy um mm, and not even big. really it, well the, and the zombies aren't even really there. That's actually like way ancillary. Like they're just, they're present and okay, they're there. It's not, that's not even a big part of it. Um, but it basically is all of the tropes of high school. So like a normal high school comedy, right? Where they have all the tropes of the high schoolers. They've got the jocks, they've got the cheerleaders, they've got all those things, but we have the world has ended mm-hmm. and, um, and everybody over the age of 18 has been turned into a zombie. And, um, and so the high school cliques have taken over LA and except for our main character who has always been a loner and he's kind of doing his own thing. Um, and he has a samurai sword and a skateboard and because uh, why not? Cause obviously, and there's a, there's a, a, like a 10 year old girl that he used, that he babysat and hates who is like a, Ooh, she, I can't believe this just popped into my head. She reminds me if Flavia Deleuze was in the post-apocalypse, this would be her. Oh wow! She's she's a sociopathic chemist. Uh, Fabio Deleuze series written by Alan Bradley, excellent series. Phenomenal, phenomenal series. Uh, with a flamethrower, she is a flamethrower. Uh, in the show, not the books. Got it. Um, but uh, anyway, and they're just trying to survive the apocalypse. So I'm I'm like five episodes in. It's very funny. Okay. It features, and I'm forgetting his name. It features the um, the guy who played young Sam, um, all throughout uh, Supernatural the series. Oh, and I he has that a one. sword. He has a sword. Oh, he dates somebody. He's a sword named Sam, and he is dating somebody named Sam Dean. So right out of Supernatural. There okay. you go. Alrighty. Yeah. Uh, any other shows for you? I'm also caught up on the morning show. Apple TV just uh, launched on November 1st, and they la- they put out the th- first three episodes of the morning show starring Jennifer Aniston, Reese Witherspoon, and Steve Carell, and mm. like 400 other really famous people. Um, it is prestige drama. Um, it is, and and it's funny as well. It's, it's like, it's kind of what Aaron Sorkin was trying to do with uh, Studio 60. Oh, um, wow. That was a diss on Sorkin. That- well, that's pretty well, you know, that's, that was a flop of a show. I mean, yeah. but I will say, but for, for what he tried to do, they, I think they're, they're trying to pick up the pieces of what didn't work there, um, and make it not into a sketch comedy show because 30 rock picked it up and did it better there, mm-hmm. but it's more of just a, a dramatized version of a, a TV morning show whose anchor. So Steve Carell play Steve Carell and Jennifer Aniston are, are anchors and they have been for 15 years and um, he is uh, f- the opening moments of the show. He's fired for sexual harassment, um, and uh, and so it's, it's they are they are completely fully uh, full on addressing uh, the Me Too movement and things mm. like that. And um, it's mostly about Jennifer Aniston. Um, you know, she's taking the reins of the show, and Reese Witherspoon comes in there as as you know possibly a contender for her for the partnership. Um, but it also 
briefly, um, and not as successfully, but I'm interested in where they're going, briefly follows Steve Carell as, you know, the accused hmm. who has been fired and vilified in the court of public opinion, but, um, but and definitely did some stuff, but is it what he has been accused of? It's, it's just, it's interesting. It's interesting and nuanced drama. It's very, very well done. Is this one where all the the whole season is available, or is it week to week? No, it's it's. I, it looks like it's week to week, and I haven't looked on what days it'll drop yet. Uh, but episodes, so episodes one, two, and three are all available currently. Gotcha. Yeah. Cool. And what about you? Where are you at? Well, I have some book news next. Yes, we like book news. Uh huh. Release dates. This is why Chris isn't here today. <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason he's not. Okay, not going down that road. Um, he's, he's mad at me for my thoughts on Terminator from last week. <laughs> so first I have releasing on Tuesday, November 5th, The Starless Sea by Aaron Morgenstern, who wrote The Night Circus, which was oh, kind that of that has been getting big, big buzz. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yep. And we also have the following week on the 12th, um, previously mentioned on the pod, Chris reminded on the pod, and now we're actually almost there for the release. <laughs> Hi, Chris. The Andromeda evolution, right? Yes. Which <laughs> wait, wait, wait. We've talked about that before? Um, twice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So that uh, is the sequel to The Andromeda Strain by Michael Crichton. Releases November 12th. It's written by Daniel H. Wilson, also known for uh, Robo-Apocalypse. Oh, so good. So good. And and I just reread uh, Andromeda, the Andromeda Strain. I am psyched. I'm on a plane on the 12th. I'm coming. I'm flying home. And so I've like it's I'm buying it. The, the, I'm going to get on my Kindle. I'm, I'm reading it on the way home in one sitting if I can. I'm so excited. Mm. And it'll be an insta buy for Chris if he remembers. So, yeah. yeah. Right. Um, uh, can you really quick? Uh, mm-hmm. What's the Starless Sea about? Well, like why is why is it blowing up? Why is it so exciting? First of all, The Night Circus, her uh, previous book, was a massive hit, and um, she took a longer time between the release of of that book, because you know how it is when you have something super blow Mm -hmm. up, and then there's all this pressure and everyone watching and going, so what are you going to do next? Um, So there's a bit of that uh, going on um, for Erin, which... I don't envy her in that, but anyway, no. the new story, it's kind of one of those stories for people who love stories, um, oh. and it's set in a secret underground world. There are pirates and ships that sail the Starless Sea, and Ooh. people are stories within stories, so it's one of those books that just from the blurbs and the Ooh, advanced that sounds good. copy that I got it's going to be kind of hard to quantify until you're actually through it. And even then it's just, it's story goodness. Well, I didn't read the night circus. Did you read the night circus? I did not. It's one of many books where it looked interesting. It blew up big and yeah. I went, I'll read it when everyone's done with it. And then I forget about it. So, right. um, but it was this a wide a... range of people who don't normally read the same things. We're talking about it with love. Same. Yeah. The, it, it was recommend, recommended to me many, many times. Um, weird thing that might get you to, to want to listen to it on audiobooks because uh, it just made me want to. Jim Dale narrates it. Oh, Jim Dale. Absolutely. Made. Yeah. He narrates the Harry Potter series on audio. Yep. For those of you who are not aware, he is He's the greatest fantastic. audio narrator of all time. Well, 
there's some arguments followed there. very closely yeah followed very closely by oh and i just lost his name lord of the rings uh oh my gosh this is horrible which the lord of the rings narrator robbing um robbing followed very closely by him okay well scott brick anyway we're not going and down scott brick. <laughs> and frank <laughs> muller after that too so and Mary Simon, Robinette Kowal. And Simon Vance is also excellent. We're excellent. moving along here because we're going to go and down a rabbit hole. <laughs> um, so on a related note, I had a super, I didn't know this was coming, excitement moment of last week. Um, there is a new Expanse novella that is releasing on November 12th as well. I am so excited. Oh, that's right. Oh, I literally thought when you, when you uh, sent that to me, I thought, Oh no, I, I'm on a plane and I have to buy one of two books. <laughs> Which one will it be? I forgot. You just reminded me of my quandary, my problem. Oh. Uh-huh. Well, it's it's a novella, so I'm sure you could whip through it and then move Maybe on to Andromeda. I'll do that one first because I can definitely get through that on the plane. And then the other one I can... Yeah, I can because the finish. audio, if you did that, is only a couple, like two and a half hours long. So it's a short yeah. book. So mm-hmm. um, that it's... And their novellas... Daniel, we've interviewed Daniel Abraham on the podcast. He and Ty Frank are James S. A. Corey. Um, mm-hmm. Again, listen to all of our love for The Expanse <laughs> on our, I think it's three or four episodes that we've done on The Expanse yeah. and we will do in the next month or so. Um, but like their, their novellas, which take place or short stories, which take place in between their books are really always very good. And I, yeah. I've loved them. So the new one takes place after Tiamat's Wrath, which was book eight in the series. This is book 8.5. And it's entitled Oberon, and that's A-U-B-E-R-O-N. Um, again, that's Oberon, and it's in-universe. It's set on one of the alien worlds. Um, so it's not Earth and it's not Mars. It's one of the worlds that, oh, I can't say that because that's a spoiler if you haven't gotten that far. <laughs> well, you have. if you're watching the show, you know about the ring gates opening up into new places. So it's somewhere there. I'll say that much. Um, and with this one, so Oberon, it's um, do you? Well, never mind. This would be a this would be a spoiler. Never mind. Okay, so um, definitely uh, check that oh, out. November it 12th. is not. It is seven point five. It is not eight point five. It takes place between Persepolis Rising and Tiamat's Wrath. That's not what Goodreads showed me. Interesting. Oh well, Wikipedia says something different. So actually, one of one of the two is right. Wow. We don't, I don't know which one. All right, so. At least get through Persepolis Rising and you'll find out. Um, hmm. So anyway, that uh, it also has an audiobook edition by the main series narrator, Jefferson May. And so that's um, a connection point as well. Um, Tyler, did you have any books? It does. Sorry. Mm-hmm. Orbitbooks.net says it takes place between Persepolis Rising and Tiamat's Wrath. Okay. So Goodreads, update your page, please. Oh, but Wikipedia is more right. Oh, that's sad. Now. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have podcast recommendations up next. So did you have anything book related before I hit the pods? Um, no, I, I'm catching up on The Witcher right now. I'm listening mm. to the, the Witcher because uh, I think we finally got a date for that. I believe it's December 20th is the mm. day that The Witcher comes out. Uh, so that's it's right in the middle of uh, The Expanse and Picard and, you know, all of these other things that we're really excited to uh, to watch. So uh, The Witcher, I'm pumped about. Um, the, the reading order for The Witcher is very strange. Actually, the first two books are a series of short stories, uh, and then he gets into the, the books as a whole. So I'm in the second book of short stories called Sword of Destiny right now by Andrzej Sap- uh, Sapkowski. So, yeah, that's, right. that's what I'm reading right now. 
Alrighty, well, it's been a few months since I did my last podcast recommendation episode, and so today I have uh, a couple of them for you. The first of which I have mentioned on this podcast before. It is called the Prancing Pony Podcast. It it's is so good. All Tolkien the whole way. A very recent episode. They even had the Tolkien professor guest on it. Um, He's been on a couple times. He's always good. Yeah, yeah. So I want to call out specifically episode 63. Um, and in episode 63, which the title of the episode was How Not to Be Seen, they are talking about Gollum in it, as we do. And Is that their... their uh... Let me announce it. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. Um, about 27 minutes in, you know, they, they're talking about Gollum, and then about a minute yeah. later, suddenly something amazing and wonderful and hilarious happens. They start doing their own riffing on what if Gollum was the voice of your Garmin um, um, uh, GPS navigator, and so they have they're doing Gollum voices as if Gollum was giving you directions. They have tree, they do Treebeard. As if Treebeard was a person, they have a Saruman voice that they do. They did not do Gandalf, which was a real disappointment because they which wanted... they do a good Gandalf. Both of them do. Right. And I wanted to hear them have Gandalf saying, you cannot pass here or some variation on. But it is absolutely hilarious. And you're really going to want uh, Gollum as, as your GPS voice. Apparently Andy Serkis actually looked into whether or not he could record voices oh for Garmin gosh. and they shot him down. And so... Because you can record your own Is maybe it's not Garmin, maybe it's Waze or it's something else. You can record your own voice in there. Um, well, what I'm hoping, because they also did, at the very end of this segment of hilarity that they did, they also did Alexa versions where Gollum yeah. is Alexa. And I'm thinking if Amazon is doing a uh, Second Age Tolkien TV show that's coming, then why not have Alexa... Tie, a tie-in? Exactly. <laughs> the only thing oh. is, is it would have to be a nice Gollum, because if your Alexa is trolling you, <laughs> it would be that's way true. funnier, but... I think it would cause problems. So, oh. and this is like, I'm having real conflicts here because I don't want to give Amazon all that power over good things, but just to have the precious. <laughs> it would oh, be right. Great. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would just, I want to second this, the recommendation of the Prancing Pony podcast. They are one of my precious. favorites. I, <laughs> I am a little bit behind on there. Um, mainly because Not like I, so so when I, I, so I read the Lord of the Rings every single year, oh, right about so this time. Tireless. So, oh my gosh, uh, I read Lord of the Rings every year, right around this time, and uh, and they are the podcast that I turn on mm. when I'm listening to it, or frankly, just when I want happiness. <laughs> like they yeah, are they're just hilarious. Oh, they're hilarious. They are uh, they are two just diehard Tolkien fans. Who tell dad jokes. Who tell? I was just gonna say they tell dad <laughs> jokes. That in fact, that's how I sold you on the podcast. Wasn't it was. It? Like, you said I, Tolkien I like, plus dad jokes, and I'm like sold. <laughs> I'm done. I'm watching it or uh, listening. Uh, so they are phenomenal. Um, in fact, they're the they're probably one of the few podcasts, and I, I haven't done it yet, but I'm I'm I've been very seriously considering donating to their Patreon page just because I love their content. Um, and, I got and they're, a they're one hooked, that, and she does now. Yep. Yeah. I. I haven't done it, but I, I keep meaning to. And they and they're just so literate. They're mm. so um they're so 
and they analytical... go deep into the sources yeah. too like wait the and letters and the histories and yeah they I go for them. it absolutely so, can't recommend them enough yeah um my next podcast recommendation and I- i'm gonna be sad for those people out there who do not already know about this one you should but if you don't my next one is lavar burton reads you know i haven't listened to it yet but what? i want to yeah tyler i know he is i know like the voice of people who watched reading rainbow <laughs> growing up he was in roots he was jordy oh. freaking laforge and you are letting him down he reads sci-fi fantasy and horror stories like what could be oh. more your wheelhouse tyler I know. I can't believe it. it's it's one of those. It's I keep meaning to to go to it, but I haven't done it yet. So to give you a taste of what he reads, one of his most recent one was a Michael Shabon story, which he's the dude doing oh. the new Picard show. Yeah. Um, he has done a Carmen Maria Mikado story. She's the one mm. who guest edited the released last month. Uh, Best American Science Fiction Fantasy 2019. She's oh, the, yeah. She's the guest editor. John Joseph Adams is the series editor. She, yeah. Her stories have been on there before. We've had Ursula K. Le Guin. We've had Octavia Butler, mm. Nadia Korafor, Neil Gaiman, N.K. Jemison. Why haven't you listened to this? I'm so sorry. So um, please, ladies and gentlemen, hit Tyler up on Twitter and ask him <laughs> at least once a day, has he listened to <laughs> LeVar Burton Reads yet? And That's at Tyler Howitt, T-Y-L-E-R-H-O-W-A-T. Let me know if you're listening. Absolutely. Thank you, Tyler. Saved me from having to spell your name. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then my third and final recommendation kind of sent me on a bit of a curve of unexpectedness uh, as I was... so. I should tell you what it is. First of all, it is The World in Words, which is a uh, linguistic podcast. It's like everything oh cool gosh. about words with people and how it goes. Their most recent episode from the summer was the sci-fi of another language and asks some oh, really interesting okay. question about how what language your science fiction stories are told and how that affects the story that you're receiving. And it's really cool. It's it, They're highly... Uh, produ- they're, they're well produced uh, good quality they tend to be super infrequent episodes because they do such a good job uh, putting them out there you can find them on twitter at lingopod l-i-n-g-o pod but what i discovered when i went to check and verify my sources is that while all the back episodes are there patrick cox who is one half of of the uh, team behind this show is not doing it anymore He's doing okay. a new one that is launching sometime this month called Subtitle. It's also about language and linguistics. So I'll <laughs> totally be checking that out. And this, if you ever wondered why I listen to so many podcasts, this is how it happens. I look up one thing. It leads me <laughs> to leads another. To more. <laughs> and then Subtitle is apparently produced by the Hub and Spoke Network. And I went, well, I've never heard of that. What is the Hub and Spoke Network? So yeah, I went to I the Hub and that. Spoke Network's website and discovered that they have uh, several podcasts in their network. I clicked on one that was called The Constant because I'm like, all right, so what's this? That sounds like Lost. Let me just read this description to you and you'll understand why my player keeps getting new things added to it. So The Constant, the description is, did you know that Europeans used to believe that sheep grew from Mongolian trees? Have you heard about the army that lost battle against itself? Ever seen the Gleaming Las Vegas Hotel that accidentally shoots heat rays at poolside guests? 
The Constant, from Chicago-based playwright Mark Chrysler, is a science and history podcast about getting things wrong. From ancient science to contemporary blunders, we take you on journeys of misadventure and misapprehension, filling your brain with juicy nuggets of the sometimes comical, sometimes tragical, and always fascinating ways people mess things up. Tell me that didn't okay. fuck you. I don't even know what to think exactly. <laughs> it, it sounds a little bit like uh, like the stuff they don't want you to know by how it works, mm. um, but kind of cooler maybe. Yeah, like wow. Wh- where, why is your phone not in your hand and you're 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 not hitting subscribe? Oh, I I just looked it up. Is what just happened <laughs> on? Oh, okay, good, good. So you can find that and other podcasts by the Hubspoke folks at hubspokeaudio.org. Um, it, to, to be totally upfront, I have downloaded a bunch since I discovered this about an hour ago. I haven't listened to any of them yet, but with a description like that, you know, you've got to. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm genuinely intrigued. I've written it down. I'm, I'm very intrigued by that. Huh. Yes. And you can still go and listen to the back episodes of The World in Words, even if it appears there's going to be no more going forward. Or maybe someone else will pick it up. I don't know. Uh, it's it's produced by a different outfit. So we shall see. But either way, those are my podcast recommendations for today. Before I move on to my next segment, Tyler, do you have any recommendations? I I have two Uh and and probably more will come up as I as I describe these just because of how uh, same for the exact same reason. Uh, so the office ladies is a new, so these are not as deep as yours. Just I'll just put that out there. We're covering the office the ladies. Here. <laughs> the office ladies is uh is a an office rewatch podcast. I love rewatch podcasts. Whether I do the rewatch with them or not, it's like the West Wing Weekly hosted by Josh Molina and Rishikesh Shearway, um, are phenomenal. Uh, podcasts really deep. They hit. They they actually are really deep, despite the fact that they're they're rewatches. They actually go into uh, the pol- the politics of the episode, the philosophy of the episode, which I really enjoy. And they're wrapping it up. They're in their seventh season, the seventh season of The West Wing now, and they're they're getting ready to finish. My sister actually went to one of their live shows, and I'm really jealous. Um, but The Office Ladies uh, is a similar podcast. is It's hosted by Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey mm-hmm. uh, from The Office, and they're doing a, an Office rewatch cool. um, and just talking about behind the scenes. And, and The Office is one of those shows like The West Wing that I have on basically all the time. Like I'm I'm always on a rewatch of it. I'm never not rewatching. I one should of them. clarify for international listeners. He means the American version of The Office, not the good the version super of the cool Office version that was done by the Brits first. No, I'm talking. Yeah, I'm talking With about the Martin good version Freeman, of the Office, who was, yeah. you know, Bilbo Baggins. Yeah, the the actual excellent version that's fantastic and lasted for nine seasons. So, um, not twelve episodes. So, uh, oh, you thought that was a sick <laughs> burn, did you? Well, better work on it. It's true. Uh, <laughs> and I'm I'm enough of an Anglophile, but the the British Office never did it for me, unfortunately. Um, but uh, I don't care what it does for you. That's a bit personal. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, but that led me to one that I'm excited about. It's not out yet, but it's a it's a podcast that's coming soon. Um, that Rain Wilson, uh, as part of his again great podcast network names, uh, as part of his Soul Pancake Network, um, is he's coming out with a podcast called Metaphysical Milkshake, uh, which just <laughs> there we go. Because he and so he just hoped uh, uh, he just guessed uh, guested on. Um, the office ladies 
And so the, here's the uh, here's the functions. here's the uh, the description for uh, metaphys- metaphysical milkshake. In this engaging, quirky, and offbeat interview series, Rain Wilson invites celebrities and other interesting personalities into the back of a somewhat sketchy 1970s Chevy van f- for a conversation that scratches below the surface and digs into life life's questions. So, so he interviews Elon Musk. Russell Brand, Larry King, Joseph Gorvin Leddit, Mindy Kaling, Deepak Chopra. Um, they're they're digging into deep. Hopefully, uh, more yeah, women than questions. just one. I mean, yeah. Mindy Kaling's amazing, but we need more. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he probably will. He better. We'll Otherwise, see. not going to go in my player. Yeah. So anyway, he uh yeah. Those are, so I am not yet listening to that because it's not out yet, but it will mm. be soon. And but the Office Ladies, the West Wing Weekly, and of course the Prancing Pony podcasts are just excellent. Go listen and subscribe. Share the podcast. Love y'all. There's always yes, more room in your player. That's right. I'm That's proof right. of that. <laughs> All right. What mm. else do you have? Okay. So I'm going to do something a little bit different than our usual uh, for my final story of the evening. Um, some of you may or may be aware that um, my for my day job, I'm a librarian. Um, Tyler likes to play it being a librarian when he's not being a teacher, but I yep. do it full time, you know, for the She's good of the world. a real librarian. Yes. Um, so... You may not be aware that there's a situation right now in the publishing world that is negatively affecting library users. And as a librarian, it's near and dear to my heart. I love putting... And this is like specifically the area that you work in in libraries, is purchasing and... Yeah. Yeah. I love putting books in the hands of readers. I was that kid whose life was changed as a child by the public library. So it's important. Um, And I thought that... I would use this opportunity to let you guys know if you have not heard, especially if you haven't been to the library since you were in school or a kid, you know, maybe if you don't have kids, so you don't have, you don't feel like you have a reason to go. It still affects everybody. Um, go to your library, guys. It's free. Yes, it is. So one of the big five publishers, Macmillan, uh, began an embargo on libraries on November 1st. And with this embargo, they're letting libraries, um, for their digital collections, only buy one ebook copy of their new releases for the first eight weeks that it's out. Um, this comes after um, last year, one of their subsidiaries, Tor, which you guys should know, Tor, if you buy or read science fiction and fantasy, because they're one of the biggest publishers of sci-fi fantasy. You know, they publish Brandon Sanderson and many others. They did a four-month embargo on libraries where we can't buy the new Brandon Sanderson at all for the first four oh, months. I didn't know out. that. Yep. I heard I had heard of the Macmillan one. I did not know about Tor. Yeah. Interesting. Yep. Well, and Tor is underneath that. So Macmillan is expanding the ways in which they place embargoes on libraries. Um, if you'd like to learn more about what's going on with this, there's a website that you can visit. It's ebooks for all. That's the word ebooks. F-O-R-A-L-L dot O-R-G. Uh, it lays out what's going on with Macmillan. There's an FAQ section link at the bottom that you can click on. But the website is also a petition that you can uh, consider signing uh, to um, to let Macmillan know we have a problem with this. Um, the leaders of the American Library Association actually met with the CEO of Macmillan 
uh, recently, and they brought the first 160,000 um, signers of the petition, uh, th that petition form with them for that meeting in multiple boxes of stuff, trying to make the point that this is uh, a serious issue. Um, this As is, of right now, they have 182,701 signatures on their, on their which list. Which isn't bad, but I think about how many of our, just our podcast listeners who are readers, uh, how yep. many, your friends, your family. It's like, whether you go to the library or not, this affects everybody in your community. Ebooks are crucial because they make large print an option for people who need larger print. And large print books are expensive. Not every book that's released gets a large print edition. Right. And many times, large print doesn't come out until the first six months after uh, a book is released. So large print is super important for a lot of readers. Um, and having digital options for the community is also important. Uh, you have people who can't come to the library in person, um, right. whether they're children or they can't drive, whether they're or they rural public transit, or, exactly. or they're seniors, or, or it's just that middle of the night sort of, I want something to read and everything is closed. Like there, there are lots can't of can't tell you how many times that's my ebook checkout time. Yeah. Seriously. Absolutely. Um, this is the latest in a trend of publishers making things difficult for libraries. And we've just sort of taken the black eye from the public who thinks, oh, libraries are obsolete. Libraries are out of date because they don't have the new stuff. Well, it's like, well, no, we would have it if we were actually yeah. allowed to have it. Um, already in effect before these latest embargoes, um, libraries pay a much higher price for the eBooks that we buy to make available it's, so it's not like a, a 9.99 kindle book that you Correct. that you're purchasing so if yeah. you wanted to read the first book in the expanse series leviathan wakes you can spend 9.99 to get it on your kindle from amazon and many other retailers guess what the library pays for it is it upward it's it's in the hundred is like it, it's above a hundred dollars oh i'm thinking of audiobooks okay yes for ebooks it costs us 65 dollars to buy mm. one copy of it for two years, and then we have to buy right. it again. So right. um, we have the same. If you want to read Stephen King's The Shining, that costs us fifty-five dollars for two years. But you can oh, because it, it's not new. <laughs> but you can get it for eight ninety-nine if you're going to buy it as a consumer. Right. The audiobook of The Shining is ninety-five dollars, and that's a step right. down from the initial cost for some of these. And so you figure ebooks. Anybody could use that same copy over and over again. Nope. This is for one person to use one copy at a time as right. if it's a physical book. And you think libraries are not rich. We're working really hard to make sure you have a really great catalog of options, both yep. new and old. Our money only goes so far. And they keep putting these limits on what libraries can do. And we'll say this is this is the public's money. This is, yes. this is, this is your, your money that's going dollars. into it that's right. being... And yeah. Macmillan feels like we're cutting into their bottom line, but the facts, and I'm putting air quotes around the word facts, that they are putting out there are unproven. We actually have studies out there that talk about how libraries benefit publishers. The vast majority of marketing dollars goes to the, like, the 1% of the popular right. authors that are already selling. Just James Patterson, Michael Connolly, they're doing just fine anyway. He doesn't anyway. need to advertise and, and he yet will that's sell where the marketing everything. money goes. Right. Libraries are where people discover all the other authors that get 100%. zero marketing dollars. Those authors who you know are out there on Twitter or writing blogs and doing their best. We li Libraries are collecting your books 
and then we're matching them to readers and making them fall in love. And then those readers, when they fall in love with authors' books, they go out and buy them. So we're actually helping publishers in that way. We partner with them for free. It's not like we're getting any, you know, kickback. We don't get kickbacks. Yeah. Right. And so. Well, and I will say, and and what, what, what Kate's talking about here is we're talking about, um, uh, readers advisory, we're, you know, mm. this, this idea of, and this is what I do. So I, I am very rarely in the library anymore. I'm mostly a teacher, but I fill in, you know, some extra, some extra, basically my car payment is, is what I try to do at the library every month. Mm-hmm. Um, but most of what I do, and, and, and I know this is a, a big thing of you're, you're the back end of, of this, you're the purchasing and you're the, let's, let's fill these people's, you know, books in people's hands. And yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm the at the front desk saying what I'm the supplier. <laughs> oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and we, you know, it couldn't, be done without you purchasing it. And so that's also the other bogus thing is you are purchasing the books. They are not donating them to the library yeah. and it's hurting the, the bottom line. You're purchasing them that at, at like five times their normal rate. But anyway, you know, we're, we are, we're sitting there trying to convince, we are their advertisers. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm with this reader, this idea called reader's advisory. I'm there going, okay, so what's the last book that you, you read that you really loved or what kind of movie do you really like? Or, you know, what, what kind of stuff do you like? And trying to get, books into people's hands yeah and the the publishers have this this weird idea that we're yeah we're hurting their bottom line yeah this i actually thought this was done with when when mm. ebooks and stuff started coming out for the library there was this big uproar and people weren't <clears throat> and publishers weren't selling to the library and stuff like that mm-hmm. or, or we're doing some weird stuff like this i thought we were done but nope nope things are just getting tighter for libraries the publishers believe especially mcmillan that uh if libraries aren't supplying them people will go out and buy hardcovers except most people don't buy hardcover books most no. people wait for the paperback or they go to their used bookstore or they read it at the library yep. and then decide they're going to buy it and so yep. the, the audience for hardcover books is people with a certain amount of disposable income and that's not the majority of readers out there so um agreed they're just <laughs> yeah so to bring this back around again uh the website is ebooksforall.org if you would read up on what's going on sign the petition if if you feel like this I is something did. you want to support thank you tyler and use the hashtag ebooks for all on social media to express uh your opinion on this situation um whether you use the library or not and i'm certainly biased you think you should but if you don't this helps a lot of people who otherwise don't have access to materials or have very limited access to be able to participate in cultural conversation for educational purposes there are a lot of things this supports um so please consider that thanks for listening and even even more uh send your tweets to at Macmillan USA. So M A C M I L L A N USA with the hashtag eBooks for all. Yeah. Yeah. Let them know what, what you think. Yep. So thanks for indulging me. I, I hope this is something you'll take to heart. It, it matters a lot uh, to me. I, I want to meet everyone out there and say here, you need to discover Asimov's foundation. You need totally. to discover Octavia Butler and Nettie Okorafor, and here's the book. Mary Robinette Kowal. Absolutely. Yep. Alrighty, Tyler, that was my list for today. Uh, do you have anything else? Nope, I think that's the end for me. That's all I had. Alrighty. Well, then, um, you can find us on uh, social media at Geek Card Check. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Until next time. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the Gunpowder and Treason Plot.